Hey there, it's Shelly Till, and welcome to Chicks Who Lead, a podcast for and about women who lead in their family, career, sports, fitness, and life. I'm so excited to share stories of amazing women who are, quite frankly, just grabbing life by the horns and leading the way. And right now, I don't think there's anyone doing that better than my first guest, Miss Lisa Byington. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. I didn't know I was your first guest. This is is quite the honor. Do you have your inaugural ball gown on? (laughs) (laughs) I I have my my ballet shoes on, um, if that counts. You know, because as you know, I never go anywhere without my ballet shoes. No. I'm ready. No. Your dancing shoes, so you gotta, exactly. you got to be ready to do that. Well, thank you. Um, really, though, thank you for uh, just taking the time to be here. Um, and, you know, I, as I kind of mentioned, I'm just I'm doing this to – there's so many incredible women that we get to meet in this business, and everybody has such a unique and cool story. And I don't – you know, we're always telling everybody else's stories on the air that rarely do um, – you get to share, you know, how you've gotten to where you are and – and I know that you have been a great inspiration for me and helped me in, in my career and so many other people. And you're just kicking butt right now. And so I thought, who better than to lead this off? Um, the whole point of it is women who are, you know, leading and, and doing great things in your field. So, you know, it's good that you came to mind. And I, th- I thank you for saying yes and not hanging up the phone. <laughs> Well, I had to think about it long and hard, Shelly, but no, I'm honored that you asked me, and I appreciate you too as well in terms of the positivity that you you try to spread not only – you're one of the good followers, I think, on social media because uh, social media gets a a bad rap sometimes and maybe deservingly so, but um, I appreciate following you. Um, You're very inspirational and very positive, and so I appreciate that aspect of what you bring. Oh, well, thank you. Well, so let's just get right into it. Um, and really, Lisa, what I want to talk to you about is just kind of, you know, where have you, where you've been, what you're doing now, and, and where you intend to go from here. So let's try to take a little trip down memory lane for you. And I know that uh, one of your favorite sayings, and in fact, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your mantra in life is you were taught to never say no to an opportunity. Is that correct? Yeah, it it is. Um I Where did that I come think from? that uh just you know, just not saying no to to things that came my way. Um, you know, I wanted to. I think especially if you just take your professional life, you know, let alone personal or, or athletic stuff. But if I just if I just take my professional life and, and put it in a little box, I can show you, you know, various opportunities or various steps that I have taken um, that where people came to me and said, hey, could you do this? Or hey, could you do that? Uh, the Big Ten Network is a great example. In 2007, they came to me and asked me to do various jobs in broadcasting that I had never done. I had never been a sideline reporter before. I had never been a studio host, and I had never been a play-by-play, which eventually came about years after that. And, and each time they asked me to do something, I always wanted to say no, because in the back of my mind, I thought, 
well, I'm not qualified for that, or Mm -hmm. I don't have experience doing that. And why are they asking me? And I think what I realized is you say yes. And then you, you know, the whole, you try to figure it out as you go and, and you prepare yourself enough that you, you're able to do the job, even if you might not have the experience in doing it. You, you work hard, you do your research, you talk to the right people and you make yourself ready for a job that you've never done before. And I'm sure there were tons of things that uh, you learned along the way um, through those experiences. But actually, the the first thing I want to ask you about that is, I mean, that takes a lot of guts uh, and a a huge leap of faith to do those kinds of things. And I'm I'm, I'm guessing there was some fear uh, around that. So for most people, uh, that's the one thing that I think stops a lot of people from following their dreams and their passions is they're just the fear can paralyze people. How did you push through that? I think sports help a little bit with that. It forces you to be uncomfortable um, with different situations. And so I have that sports background. And I think that as I got older and, and I no longer was playing sports, I was able to translate that into my professional life. But you're right. It, it, it is, it's very scary. It's scary to take a first job. It's, it's scary to go for that relationship. It's scary. You know, there, there are so many things in life that are scary and that are unknown and that um, are very unknown certain. And you know what? You're not going to win all those battles. And that's something that I had to to understand is sometimes you're going to go after something and you're not going to get it. But if you're, again, if you're chasing your heart, if you're chasing your passion, um, you can't go wrong. Even if you get a no, at least you know that you did all you could um, to pursue whatever goal it is, um, whatever job it might be, whatever team you want to play for, um, whatever, you know, the sport you want to try, at least you tried it. And you know what? Exactly. Um, maybe sometimes getting the no and sometimes um, uh, short, you know, falling short of an opportunity, sometimes that even makes you a better person. Oh, totally, totally. And, you, you know, you mentioned also the that coming from athletics. And so um, just trying to tell people what your background is. I know you're, you're a Northwestern grad, a two-sport athlete at Northwestern. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, I well, I was recruited to play basketball, so I played basketball for four years, and then I just decided, you know, playing basketball and going to school at Northwestern wasn't enough, so I decided to walk onto the soccer team for two years. <laughs> but I tell people it was the best part of college because I always grew up as a busy person, and and frankly, my parents were great. My mom and dad let me try a lot of different sports. They were never the parents that made me specialize in one thing, um, and so I grew up always just being well-rounded and Mm -hmm. and just trying a lot of different things so then when I got to college and I was only playing one sport and it's and all the division one student athletes out there know that when you play that one sport it, it almost feels like a job sometimes because of the dedication and the hours that you put in it was unusual for me and so that's why I felt like I needed that balance and and walk onto the soccer team my my junior senior and really kind of my graduate school year but um, you know, that foundation that, you know, being a college athlete is not the story I like to tell. It's it's what I kind of alluded to with my parents and the fact that they wanted me to try everything as a little kid. And I think that's so important for parents to hear these days is encourage your kids to try a little bit of everything. I mean, they had me in dance when I was three years old. 
you know, I tried tennis and swimming and not just basketball and soccer and softball, um, but they wanted me to try a little bit of everything. And then they let me choose what I wanted to do. And eventually it led to, to basketball and soccer at the collegiate level, which, you know, I was, I was a backup point guard. So don't look up my stats cause they're not, <laughs> they're nothing to look at. <laughs> that, that does not matter. The fact, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, like you said, it is a job, four years of, of Division One athletics and, and throwing in another sport on top of that. But, um, you know, you mentioned your parents, and that leads me into the, the next question. When you were in high school and in those early years at Northwestern, who are some of the people that made the biggest impact on you during those times? You know, my dad actually was my high school basketball coach. And, um, and he's always been someone who, who I've leaned on. My mom as well has been um, a great supporter. And, you know, frankly, when, when I went through college, I didn't play a whole lot. And so that was an adjustment for me to make because everybody's a star in high school, right? And so then you get to college and if, if you were the star in high school and now you're sitting on the end of the bench, I mean, that was a huge adjustment. And, um, especially my freshman year and sophomore years, I really needed to lean on my mom and my dad um, to help me get through those, those couple of years. And I think that's important for people to hear. Like, college is a hard thing to do. And, and there's not always the star successful stories that, that should be told um, for college athletes to hear. You know, there's the stories of the people who sit on the bench and try to be the team player. Uh-huh. But that's hard. That's hard to do. So I leaned on them a lot, I guess, at the beginning of, of my collegiate career. Um, you know, I've had, I've had teammates um, that have been there and that, you know, you still keep in touch with. And, you know, I just basketball teammates and even soccer teammates. And it, it I see on social media right now, um, my, my soccer teammates, they're trying to organize a tournament going on in Las Vegas, and I'm not unable to play in it because of some football stuff, but it's just, it's great to see that those relationships and those bonds, I mean, we're like 20 years out and I hesitate by saying that because it makes me feel really (laughs) old, but it's great to see that those relationships, they don't die, you know, because because when you go through blood, sweat and tears with your teammates um, for four years and and the stuff that you have to go through, like those are relationships and friendships that are going to last forever. I think we're in a completely different environment in college athletics right now in terms of kids going to college and something happens and you know some of it is is legit but some of it is uh you know it just seems like there's so much transferring going on I mean and we've seen it in the Big Ten immensely especially in women's basketball just this past year what's your advice to someone as they're just Entering, everybody's just starting college right now at this time of year. What would be your advice to a, a new college athlete? Don't make a quick trigger response or reaction. And, you know, I talked about how my freshman and sophomore years were particularly tough for me as a, as a student athlete at Northwestern. I wanted to transfer after my freshman year because I wasn't mm-hmm. getting playing time and I, and I was frustrated with the playing style and I felt like Northwestern wasn't made for me. And, you know, it was something that I talked to my parents about. My parents have always been, you don't quit. Now, you can't take that to an extreme level. Like if you're, if you're just miserable, then mm-hmm. you do have to look at, um, 
different sort of situations and choices that you might have. I go back to when my sister was playing uh, little league softball and she just started and she became an all American actually at the division three level. But when she was a little kid and just kind of starting out <clears throat> this softball team, it was tough for her and she wanted to quit. Mm-hmm. And my mom, I just remember this. My mom would not let her quit. And she said, now you don't have to play softball for the rest of your life, but you committed to this team and for this year and for this season. So you're going to finish it out. And so she did. And lo and behold, my sister started to fall in love with the sport of softball. It ended up giving her some, some money at the D3 level. And like I said, she became an All-American at Hope College in, in wow. Holland, Michigan. And so if my mom had not put her foot down and said, no, you're going to finish this, um, you know, where would my sister have been? And so I remember that. And, and, you know, I can't equate that necessarily equally to my situation my freshman year in college. But I can equate the fact that my parents sat down with me and they said, look, you need to finish out this freshman year, and then we need to evaluate things big picture. And what we looked at big picture at Northwestern was the fact of, was I, did I really feel like I was going to play basketball for the rest of my life? And if I didn't, was, was there enough at this school and at this university to give me enough to prepare me for who I wanted to be after the four years that I was a student athlete? And the answer was, you know, unequivocally, yes. Northwestern it was a great school, has a great journalism school, and it ended up, you know, working out for me. But I, I think with, with athletes these days, I think they need to sit down and, and think, are they, are they quitting because it's hard or are they quitting for the right reasons? And I don't want to say mm-hmm. quitting. I should say, you know, right. trying to make a change or transferring. Um, sure. That's probably a better word to use. But um, why do you want to transfer? Is it because it's hard or um, is it because it's for the right reasons? And I think mm-hmm. you really need to sit down and, and internalize that first for yourself And then you need to really like reach out to people who are on the outside, who you trust, who can give you some solid opinions on your situation. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I, you know, I commend your parents for, for doing that. And I I do think it's a, it's a lot on a 19 or 20 year old to make those major decisions. And so many times I think, you know, when one thing goes wrong, then all of a sudden it's like, they just want to throw the the baby out with the bathwater and everything, uh, you know, it's an emotional time and it's a lot. And the fact that your parents were able to step in and, and be that level voice um, and steady voice for you to lean on and to get you through that is huge. And I, I have to um, think that, you know, as you mentioned, you tried a little bit of everything early on in your career and you would, you just didn't say no to opportunities, even if you felt underqualified for them. How did persevering in college and getting through those things, how did that transfer over to you in the quote unquote real world in terms of getting through maybe some career things that looked a little messy and, and maybe a little overwhelming for you? Yeah, that, well, that's a great question. I've, I've actually never been asked that question. I think I can translate the fact that going through college and, and not playing a lot on the basketball team and, and trying to be a good bench player, trying to be a good team player, that was one of the hardest things that I had to go through. And I succeeded doing that. Um, you know, I had to learn what 
a different role was. You know, you, you kind of, you sit there and you sort of map out mentally what you feel like your life should look like, right? Or, yeah. you know, if, if, if you're standing at the crossroads of a decision and you think, well, if I make this decision, then my life's going to look like this. So my college life did not look like anything that I had planned or mapped out. And I think it gave me perspective on the fact that, um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a greater power, there's a greater universe mm-hmm. that sometimes has a, a better plan for you than what you have for yourself. And so it taught me to let go a little bit of what Lisa wants and, um, and to give into that, that higher power. And maybe we're kind of going into a, a different realm no, here, but, that. Um, but not, that not every, not everyone buys into, but I think you and I both, both buy into the fact that, that there is a higher power that we can plug into. And, um, and I think that was one thing that I really, really learned in college. And so when I've gone on into my professional life after graduating from Northwestern, um, I'm constantly reminded of that. That, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not just, is it, is it Lisa's plan or is it God's plan for my life? And so that, that's one of the biggest things that, that I learned is that I have to let go and, and, and trust that there is a plan out there for me and it's, it's going to be the right one. Yeah, I love that. And a huge um, thing that I'm uh, ultra passionate, passionate about in, in along that realm is just the, the whole concept of your identity. Um, I know for me personally, I struggled as an athlete early on with that of I was just Shelly the basketball player. And when I was no longer the basketball player, I really struggled with that. Um, was there ever a time for you where th- that light bulb came on or how did you address that whole issue of who you are, your identity, and, and really not getting caught up in uh, your identity as just the basketball player? I think it's something that I, I still even struggle with. I think, you know, sometimes you define yourself like Lisa the broadcaster instead mm-hmm. of Lisa the person. Like, who is Lisa outside of, of broadcasting? So I don't know if I have ever really let go of that battle. I think, you know, everybody wants labels to people. You know, you're, yeah. you're the teacher or you're the coach or you're the student or you're the, you're the all-American basketball player. And so... It is important um, in, in my mind to sort of um, dial in and, and plug into to areas that are a little bit more meaningful in life than labels, that are a little bit more meaningful in life than what you do. You mm-hmm. have to ask yourself, and you have to ask yourself the tough questions. Who am I? What am I made of? If, um, if I were to leave this earth tomorrow, you know, how would people define me and, and would I be comfortable with those definitions? And, and that's what, that's what really counts. I think it's not, it's not, you know, how many games you do. It's not how many awards you win. It's, it's how you treat people. It's how you define yourself. And for me, it's a constant daily battle. I don't think you ever, ever get past that. Yeah. And I think especially in, in this industry, it's, it's probably even magnified uh, more so. So with that said, I'm going to move on to the latest label that you've (laughs) taken on. (laughs) So let's talk about labels. Yeah, right. No. Um, so huge, huge news, uh, huge breaking down or crushing the glass ceiling, if you will, uh, being just named the, the first woman to do play by play for uh, college football for the Big Ten Network. 
insert the applause right here. And I mean, that's huge. And I, I also, I, I think that you're the, you started the floodgates for uh, Beth Mullins with the NFL and CBS and, and also uh, Kate Scott out at doing the PAC 12 network. So kudos to you for that. I'm sure. I'm sure there, those things were not in the works before the announcement came out. No, no, Lisa, you're, they're going to erect a statue of you for paving the way for women in, in play-by-play for football. Now we turn word. the corner to ridiculousness in this uh, podcast, but that's okay. So I, I just, what was your reaction? What, how, tell me what was going through your mind when that happened? Was that a post-game question or what? <laughs> What's going through your mind? How do you feel? Um, You know, it's always something that I've wanted to do. And so I was excited about it. And, you know, um, I I think the people at BTN, people at Big Ten Network, um, made it very clear to me that they felt like this was the next logical step in my professional career. And that's why they gave me the opportunity. You know, it it wasn't to make a headline. It wasn't to say, hey, we're hiring the first woman to do this. It was because they felt like I was, you know, qualified and and given that opportunity. And to hear that um, was very encouraging. You know, Um, I had, like I said, I've always wanted to call football. I think it's very important for women to take those steps because I feel like it's, it's, it's not, um, it's not unusual now to see a woman on any sports network, but they're usually in pigeonholed roles. They're usually as a studio host or they're usually as a sideline reporter. So, you know, right. even when I talk to co- college students who want to get into business, I would say a majority of them want to be sideline reporters. And I try to encourage them to think beyond that role mm-hmm. because I think our society has said, well, it's okay now to have women in sports because it wasn't necessarily, that wasn't even the case in the 70s and the 80s. Now it is, but now we're pigeonholed. So I think this sure. is the next important step um, for for females in the business, frankly, and then for little girls who are watching a football game. I've always said that, you know, you, you, you need to have dreams to, of watching people who look like you. So if there's a little girl who's watching a football game and she sees a woman in the booth calling the football game and she thinks, well, maybe I can do that too, then I feel like that's progress. And I feel like beyond the fact that um, I think I was given this opportunity for the right reasons, I think it goes even beyond that. Um, and unfortunately, we have to talk about that in 2017. Right, right. Have you had time to just soak in uh, the, really, the the enormity and the, you know, just like you what you just said in terms of the little girl that's going to be tuning in and listening or watching that football game, and all of a sudden they see there's Lisa Byington or she hears your voice as the, the play-by-play, and for her, that now is going to be her normal. That blows my mind. Have you even had a time to to soak that all in? No, because I've been busy reading about Beth Moen <laughs> going to CBS, NFL football, and Kate Scott doing the Pac-12, and I'm like, yeah, we're a team. But, um, you know, I, I thought about it. I allowed myself to think about it maybe that the week that it was announced, and um, it, it, I feel honored um, – to be in that role. And I embrace mm-hmm. the platform, but 
it's a little bit different to be on the other side. You and I were able to play college athletics because of Title IX and because mm-hmm. of the people who came before us. And now all of a sudden, it's my turn, it's Pam Ward's turn, it's Beth Moen's turn, it's Kate Scott's turn to try to create those opportunities for people following us. And so that that was a switch in my mind. And when that was registering that first week when it was announced, um, yeah, I, I was grateful for it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I also had to be grateful for the people who came before me to give me those opportunities. And I have to be inspired by that. And I'll tell you what, you know, today – it came out that that Time Magazine in September is going to be featuring basically in this multimedia project 45 groundbreaking women, everyone from Oprah Winfrey to Aretha Franklin to Ellen Generous and uh, Madeleine Albright, and you know the first woman to become right. U.S. Secretary of State is a part of this piece too. And and they put out a little trailer today that I that I saw, so I thought it was good timing. And Madeleine Albright says when she's being interviewed, there's plenty of room in the world for mediocre men, but there's mm-hmm. no room for mediocre women. And, and that line registered for me. So I'll tell you what, like, am I going to be better in my, my 20th football game I do than my first football game that's coming up in September? Of course I am, but I better be pretty darn good in that first football game. Cause there'll be people watching um, and people listening very closely but to, to see some of those quotes from some of those women who came before me, that's, that's very, very motivating to, um, to not screw this up, to be overprepared <laughs> when I walk into that booth, and, and to be ready because um, there were people who came before me who were ready for their opportunities that created this, and I'm not going to screw it up for the people who are becoming after me. Well, if there's anybody that's, uh, you know, completely equipped to do so, it's you. I, I don't know that I've ever run into anyone that prepares more professionally and more thoroughly than you. And, um, you know, it's just, it's really cool to, to watch, um, from my perspective, because I know you <laughs> and I know how hard you work and how humble you are. And so I just think it's awesome. And, and the fact that, you know, you're mentioned, we're, we're talking about the little girls, that I mean, you're you're a pioneer here, and and I'm sure years down the road, uh, that will probably sink in and and the significance of it even more so. But you know, you didn't have those people to look up to. There weren't women in the booth doing what you're about to do. So that makes it, I think, even more special and more uh, amazing. With that being said, in the position that you're in now. If you were looking back or, or if, if that little girl is tuning in and listening to you, what would you say to them? Go for it, you know, and, and never, think, never think that someone else's no has to be your no. You know, I, I was told even by women in the business that I wouldn't do football. And um, you just don't listen to that. Again, it's it's following what you believe you can do. And it, it all goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. You know, who are you? Where do you want to go? What are you defined by? If you understand what those core things are about you and you understand what you're passionate about, um, you can follow those roads and you can follow those dreams. And 
you got to find the right people that'll that'll walk with you, that'll support you in those dreams. Even though maybe, you know, majority of people don't see that for you, if you see it in yourself and it's the right thing and it's, you know, kind of the universe's plan, it's going to happen. So don't, again, don't let someone else's no be your no. Um, you, you define you define the road you want to walk. Awesome. So let's kind of shift gears a little bit because, you know, we, we talk a lot about your professional life and, and people get to tune in and see you on the TV and follow your strong social media game because I know you love that. <laughs> um, right. But if you had to, like, if, if you had to list, what would you say your top maybe two or three personal values are? What's most important to you? My religion, um, my Christianity, um, following God, and I've become um, a Christian over and over again. And when I say that, um, I I've, I can go back and follow different steps of, of the progress and the process that I've made. And it's it's understanding that you have to have a personal relationship with God. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, amen. And you can't just and you can't just say I'm a Christian. You can't just say I go to church. You can't say I read the Bible. You have to sit down and define what that means for yourself, and you have to have a personal connection with God. And I've learned that you know if you don't have that, at least for me, um, everything else is is not that important. So um, I define myself first and foremost in that way. Um, secondly, um, my family is very important to me. You know, I haven't been able to find the, the right significant other yet, but my, I've talked about my parents. My mom and my dad um, are two of my best friends, and I feel so fortunate that I can say that about my parents and that I have two parents that I can say that about. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people grow up in single-parent homes, so I feel very blessed for that. And, um, you know, I, I love being an aunt and my Uh my sister and brother-in-law, they have three kids and I adore them to pieces, absolutely adore them to pieces. And so I take my love, my time, my caring for them very, very seriously. I think it's, it's actually one of the most important things that I do. So when we don't see you on our TVs or on our smartphones or our tablets, what do you like to do with your downtime? Because you have so much of it. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I um, I like to exercise. Um, I like to read a good book. Um, I, I like to read a lot of um, either uh, sports books about, like, uh, people's philosophies. Um, I like inspirational books. Um, I'll, I'll read some Christian books. So I enjoy some of that. I enjoy a good game of golf or a good round of golf if I can get it in, if, if, the, if the day cooperates. And then you like to you do know, that with your dad, silly. right? I do, yeah. You know what? I've only been golfing twice this summer, and both times have been with my dad. And it's been great. We made the rule this year that we weren't going to keep score because he and I are, are super competitive. And I realized that we were <laughs> – we ended up in the golf cart talking more about our, our golf game and the shot that we just took and the shot we're about to take and our score. And we forgot to talk to each other. So I made uh-huh. that a rule, and it was great. It was great going out with him the, the first couple of times. But to be honest with you, you know, I live down – Chicago. And one of my favorite things is to just explore the city. And sometimes that just means 
you know, taking, uh, taking my headphones, taking my cell phone, playing some music and just walking through the city. It's one of the things I love the most is just walking through the city and seeing where the day takes you, whether it's to a theater, whether it's to a new restaurant, whether it's to a new coffee shop. I just love exploring Chicago. I love this city. I love the diversity of it. I love the sports side of it. I love everything that it offers in the spring and the summer are kind of my downtime. So it, right. it works this out that I'm able time. to explore it. Yeah, the best <laughs> time of year in Chicago. What does being a true leader look like to Lisa Byington? I think true leadership is servant leadership, to be honest. I, I think you have to know when to lead and sometimes when to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's so important to be able to understand the people who you're working with or the people who are on your team or the people who you're trying to lead um, because they can make you a better leader as well. So I, I think first and foremost, you have to be willing to lead, but you also have to be a follower and step back and say, when is it my time and, and when is it their time? you know, to, to give me some information or to give me some opinions. And number two, I think being a leader, you can't be afraid to have an opinion. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not going to be the most popular opinion, but you sometimes have to take steps in terms of what you think is, is best for your organization or your team or the crew that you're working with. And you can't be afraid of it being unpopular. And and, that, and number three, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with um, having an opinion is you have to take chances and you have to risk and you have to be willing again to um, to fail, basically, to Bingo. be able yeah. to, to grow and and um, and make progress down the line, because one failure doesn't mean that that you are a failure. It just means it's an opportunity to grow and to learn and to get better for the next opportunity. And I think good leaders understand that. And who has, uh, who would you say in your life has exemplified that type of leadership to you? Uh, you know, I, I, the boring answer is my parents again. Um, I, it's I think, not boring at all. Your parents are going to love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Bob and Linda Byington. Um, you know, my dad, I always, I always think of coaches, you know, cause that's, I might have such a big sports background. So I, I automatically default to coaches. Um, I think there, I had a soccer coach in college. Her name was Marsha McDermott and, and she was one of my favorite coaches. I only was able to play for her for two years out of my life, but she did a lot of things in terms of understanding that each individual is motivated in a different way. And I think too many coaches out there, maybe like too many leaders, whether you're on the business side or, or whatnot, they think that, you know, you, you step into the locker room, you give the Vince Lombardi speech, and everyone's going to be rah-rah, and they're going to run through the wall for you. But people are motivated in different ways. I mean, some people might be motivated by the rah-rah speech, and other people might be motivated by the fact that I need some one-on-one time with you after mm-hmm. the game. And good leaders, and this is something that Marsha McDermott understood, is that everybody has a different personality. So I have to approach you in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I always appreciated that about her. Let alone, she had some pretty good Vince Lombardi locker room speeches, too. <laughs> it was, it was, they, were, they were pretty good. Oh, awesome. So 
what is it that we can look forward to in the in the life of Lisa Byington? What will you, Lisa, attempt to do next? Hmm. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm pretty focused on the here and the now right now, and mm-hmm. um, I think that I think that means that you're doing things the right way. When um, I can remember when I you know I, I got my start professionally in local news, and I was always thinking about the next step. You know, what what next job can I get? What next big event can I do? And I've really stopped thinking about that professionally in the last two years. Now, I've had some really good opportunities, um, you know, come forward, and so that helps mm-hmm. a little bit. But it shows me that maybe that's the maturity or maybe that's the satisfaction, and maybe it's some of the, the right choices and the right decisions that I've made that, I'm not like I'm not thinking about what Lisa Bison wants to be five years down the line or ten years down the line. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty content thinking about the present right now and the challenges I have before me. Very good. Well, I know we mentioned your your social media game, so uh, this is your moment to uh, tell everybody how they can follow you and and get involved in your exciting life and see where you are. Oh, it's so exciting. Yes. (laughs) Click follow. It's pretty easy. It's just my first and last name, Lisa Byington, L-I-S-A-B-Y-I-N-G-T-O-N. You can find me on Twitter that way and on Instagram. I don't use Facebook a whole lot. I am on there but I have a long list of friend requests that I'm not on, so don't be offended if I haven't accepted you. And I have my website, lisabineson.com. I've been a little bit uh, negligent in terms of writing blogs. I get more active with that with football season. So, yes, um, you know, check out lisabineson.com. I even kind of pop up on Snapchat here and there. That's good. You're easing into it. I know how that works. But we have Christy Winter Scott. Is we'll never uh, uh, rise to the level of of her social media game. So. Oh my goodness! I She's like have the to take hours out of my day to just follow all of her videos that she posts <laughs> on Instagram. It's crazy. It is. It's it crazy. Is. But she's a sniper, as we know. She, ah, she will get true. you on video. She will get you, you know, get you on a, her photos, and you don't even know it. So you got to have <laughs> eyes in the back of your head when you're working with Christy Winter Scott. All right. Well, I uh, when I'm teaching my, my fitness classes, I like to do a little thing at the end of every class where everybody's just kind of, you know, chilled out, and they're, they've all stretched out, and they've relaxed after their hard workout. And I share with them... Uh, a, a quote or a, a saying or something that is motivational or inspirational or just gets them to think. And I call it, I'm, I'm sharing my food for thought. So before I let you go, what's your one more thing that you want to leave with people that are listening, your, your Lisa Byington food for thought? <laughs> uh, I actually have a favorite quote. I actually have it on the, the wall of my bedroom, and it's um, work like you don't need the money, love like you've never been hurt, and dance like nobody's watching. And so um, I think if we, if we follow some of those rules where you're just, you're just not scared to take chances, basically, I think if you were to summarize that quote, um, I, think it's a, I think it's a pretty powerful, positive way to live. Love it. And on that note, Lisa, I just want to say thank you so much for, again, taking the time. I think uh, your story is just so inspirational, and you are truly a pioneer for, for women who want to get into the broadcasting arena or, or anything, anything that's been male-dominated. 
the impact of it is going to be felt for years to come. And I cannot wait personally to just see you shine. Uh, I think you're amazing. And I just appreciate you being here. Well, I appreciate being a guest. Um, you know, I can't think of it that way, but I, I do appreciate your words. I just have to focus on first and 10 for Northwestern and Bowling Green. <laughs> so there you go. But, and what's but the I appreciate of that game what you're saying. Tune in? Yeah, it's September 16th. It's it's a primetime game. Um, I think there's two night games going on that night on Big Ten Network. I think Penn State also has a night game, but it's a 6.30 kick from Evanston, Northwestern against Bowling Green. So, so tune in. You'll have a, a whole day of football, but don't leave your couch. Because we got uh, we got that one coming up. Very cool. Well, good luck to you. And again, thank you so much. And we will be watching. Lisa Byington, everybody. Thanks for joining me today on Chicks Who Lead. Do you know a woman who inspires you? Let me know who she is, and maybe we can add her to our guest list. Hit me up with a message here, or find me on social media at Shelly Till on Instagram or Twitter, and at Official Shelly on Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate it, share it, and subscribe to the channel. 